This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. Hey, what is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Hamilton Sportacopia. I'm Joe Hamilton. I got a very special guest with me today. How you doing, Jeff? I, I, man, I'm fine. I feel special now. Now I feel like a special guest. Before I was just a guy sitting here, but now I'm a very special guest. What's the what's the the music that leads that off? Whose fight song is that? Is that Mizzou? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. Andy, do you? No, know? it's it's just it's just some royalty free music. Oh, okay, fair. Totally fair. That way, I don't get in trouble with the uh, the, with, the uh, at, with the with the people. The best kind of music. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. I can I, I can do roll it. with that. I can roll with that. Anyway, I'm going to talk to him about his starting radio, a lot of other things. Going to talk some NHL. Probably going to um, um, talk to him about his favorite sport to cover, all that other stuff. But yeah. I want to start with you first. What was your starting radio? What was that like? Uh, so my starting radio was uh, inauspicious, I guess. So I, I moved back here uh, about a year ago, about a year and a week ago from Washington, D.C., uh, where I'd, I'd been out there sort of covering hockey and also mostly being a kept man uh, for most of the year. And uh, I moved back and a friend of mine uh, who writes for St. Louis Game Time, Dan Buffa, was hosting the morning show on 590 and occasionally neither folks would just sort of like come in and sit with him. It's hard to do radio at five in the morning, right? So uh, right. so we'd, we'd come in and there was a while there where, uh, where Dan sort of needed some time off. And so Bradley, who's the publisher of St. Louis Game Time, and I would come in and fill in for uh, fill in for Dan and do his show for him. And then it just sort of worked out to where he was wanting to move to evenings and that, open, that morning slot was opening up and we had had enough of a good rapport that it was like, okay, like maybe we should try this out together. And so we did and it, it, it worked out pretty well. You know, the, the show itself, I was really proud of. The show itself was good. Neither of us had ever done radio before at all. And so the combination of learning the technical aspects of it and also handling the business side of it was ultimately the uh, the, the downfall, I guess. But we had a, we had a pretty good run, and I think that the, the content was super good. And so it was just a matter of finding it the right spot. I can agree with that. Um, I remember being on with you before. Yeah. I remember the changing station, and you did a really good job covering women's hockey. I was, was actually, actually really I, good. Yeah, I, I was telling Andy that story actually uh, here this afternoon. I, I had been, the uh, the women's Frozen Four was at the family arena last year, and I'd, I'd left there. I'd left St. Charles, and it was like 11 o'clock or whatever on a Saturday night, and I lived downtown, so I was like, well, changing station's about to start. So I swung by the studio, and there were like nine of us piled into the studio that night. It was me and you, and Cocky and Craig, and Plowsy was there, and Kyle was there. There was a bunch of people in that studio. We had a, we had a good time, and you know what? Women's hockey is good. I'm actually I'm going to be going to a, going to a professional women's hockey game in like two weeks in Boston. So. Ooh, I didn't know they had professional women's hockey. There are two leagues. There's the NWHL, the National Women's Hockey League, and the CWHL, the Canadian Women's Hockey League. Uh, that, that one's exactly what it sounds like. The teams are all in Canada. The NWHL, I should know all the teams by now, I don't. It's like the New York Riveters and the Boston Blades and the Connecticut Whale. And I, I'm going to get in trouble for not knowing all of them because a good friend of mine covers women's hockey full time. But uh, yeah, I mean, so I'll, I'll, be, uh, I'll be in Boston in a couple of weeks for the, uh, the Blades and the Whale. I'll be, I'll be attending that wonderful shindig. So covering sports, yeah. you, you've um, witnessed a lot of good memories. What is, your, what is your favorite sports memory? So in from covering it or just from like being alive? Okay, both. 
So the coolest thing that I have, that I've seen in person uh, as like at a sporting event, the 1996 NLCS game four, Dimitri Young hits the triple into the left field corner. I was sitting in the stands and my dad had gotten these seats through work and they would have been the front row of the first baseline, but they had added two rows in front of it uh, for the playoffs, like to squeeze in VIPs or whatever. So I couldn't. Can I, am, I, am I cursing on this podcast? What am I doing? Um, yeah, you it, can. It down? You okay, can. I'm not, I, I should have asked that ahead of time. I couldn't see shit. I was like, I was nine years old, and I was behind two rows of adult people who were watching the ball game. And in front of me was an older man in a Bill Cosby sweater, for lack of better terms, like brown and purple stripes <laughs> or whatever. Uh, and the triple goes into the corner, and my dad, you know, we're cheering. And my dad pokes me and goes, "High five that guy!" And I, okay, and I go to high five him, and it's Lou Brock was like sitting in front of me for the whole game, and I was nine, so I didn't know who Lou Brock was. Uh, but that was pretty awesome. Coverage-wise, what's the coolest thing I have seen covering a game? This probably doesn't count because it wasn't really covering a game. Uh, but the Winter Classic last year, I got invited to this. Uh, they, they, had, they had some party for some sponsor at Patio's down by the ballpark the morning of the thing. And uh, Chris Pronger and Chris Chelios were passing out like promotional crap or whatever and hanging out. And I got there and Tom Stillman is just like standing by himself at the bar, like not talking to anyone and just hanging out. It's like cozy on up to Tom. And, hey, how's it going? And had a conversation and introduced myself. And he was super nice. We had a weird thing going on with game time where... Uh, the NHL was not thrilled with us selling St. Louis game time outside the Winter Classic because, and this is a true story, the Winter Classic logos that we had in it did not have Bridgestone superimposed on them. And they were like, Bridgestone pays a lot of money for that sponsorship. Reprint your old paper. And we weren't going to do that. Uh, so eventually we got to some accommodation, but I, we walked up to Tom and he was like, hey, did you guys get the game time thing figured out? And it was like, it was cool that with everything going on that weekend for the Winter Classic, that Tom Stillman knew that that was a thing and cared to ask. That's awesome, and to be up close to Tom Stillman. What kind of guy is he? I mean, yeah, very nice. So I met him then. Uh, I've met him like a handful of other times, just sort of like in passing. And then he invited Brad and I into the offices to interview him. Sort of at the end of the year last year, he was doing the kind of like media tour where he has you know a half dozen different folks come in and interview him, kind of one after another. And he had Brad and I come in for that, and we had a pretty long conversation. And that was uh, that was cool. Like it was you know his office was it was interesting in that number one. Probably the only owner in pro sports whose office didn't have a window uh, because, you know, he's down in the corner, like kind of in the basement underneath the uh, underneath the, uh, the, the the stadium at Scott Trade. But also because he just had like a pile of old hockey jerseys, like not just blues jerseys, just in the corner, just like stacked up all over the place like that he had collected or whatever over the years. It was just a yeah, cool like, yeah. collection of memorabilia stuff. That's awesome. Um I would like to meet meet those guys one day. They seem like cool guys yeah, and very nice. Like people. I listen to interviews and literally, you know, there aren't many. How do I say this? Nice guys in sports. I mean, uh, when it comes to athletes, you, you go know, up to an athlete nowadays. It's like they don't even want you near them. Now, hockey players are totally different. Now, am I right in that assessment, or do you think I'm I, totally I was, off my rocker there? So my my I mean my experience has been mostly with hockey and then with baseball as well. I was this past year for like the latter half of the Cardinal season was in the was in the clubhouse there most days and. Uh, I, I would not say that they are not nice guys. I, I don't get that impression at all. They're definitely like there are definitely more ball players who are skilled in the art of knowing when not to be in the clubhouse when the media is there. And there are definitely some guys who have that like very intensely focused thing going on where they're putting off the vibe of 
please don't come bother me right now. But I mean, as far as ballplayers being nice guys, like they, they definitely, to, to me, in my experience, at least from a media side, have been. This is and so last weekend in the winter warm up, uh, Jose Martinez came in to do his media availability and he came in with his hands like turned up because he had just done his signing and he was so excited. He goes, Look at my hands. And he, they were covered in like pen smudges, right? Because he'd been signing things for an hour or whatever. And he was, Look how excited they were to get my autograph. And he's like showing everyone his hands that were covered in pen mark. It was cool. Like, and, and that's sort of just human, very human moment. For that, that, that is very cool. And, uh, I, I wish there were more people out there, I guess, open like that. I mean, I, like yeah. you say, I wish there was more openness to sports, but... I think, the, I think the struggle is when you are open, you leave yourself open to not only the good stuff, but also the bad stuff too, right? So there's always going to be that sort of... Not, not that people are not shouldn't be criticized, but there will always be a degree of undeserved criticism, I feel like, right? And so people may choose to be closed off and private so they don't get criticized or scrutinized in ways that they think are unfair. Yeah, and uh, so I, I also want to get into this. What would, and this is kind of a fun one, really. Go for it. Um, what would you be doing if you weren't in radio? Like, what? God, what, what is your career path if you're not in radio? Uh, so... The the really interesting thing is that, like, I don't know that I had a really good career path before even the radio thing started. So what I would say is that uh, I would probably be just sort of like, because I, 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 I had been sort of like scraping along, writing, doing like copywriting and SEO kind of stuff for a long time. Uh, and I, I still do that uh, on the side as well. So I would probably just be doing more of that full time. I don't know what it would look like. The question is what the next, I guess, three, four, five years look like if I wasn't trying to do this, uh, because that hopefully would be very different. You know, I w- hesitated to ask this question, but go you for know it. what? I'm going to go for it anyway. Yeah. Um, you went from 590 yeah. to 920. Yeah. Is there a reason why? Like, can Oh, you, yeah, no. Can so, you- yeah, from a, I mean, from a business perspective, it didn't make a lot of sense for us to keep doing the show at 590 for two reasons. Number one, because like neither Brad or I was very good at selling it. Uh, and so it was, a, it was a struggle for us to sell enough ads to stay on the air. And number two, uh, because he, you know, Brad was dealing with like his own sort of personal stuff and there was a challenge for him to deal with the schedule all the time. And so I ended up doing the show al- uh, alone a lot towards the end of it. And so we just didn't have the stability that we needed. And, and, and so like, I, I zero ill will toward anyone who works at, at, at 590. And frankly, again, like, look, if you're looking at it from a management perspective there, they replaced our show with Clay Travis and like say what you want about Clay stylistically or attitudinally. I mean, the guy sells his show uh, and has a following and it's popular. So I, I get it. I, I didn't even like there's definitely there's like a zero percent weird feeling about that at all. So uh, uh, that's a very good thing because I thought I was walking into a wall. No, 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 no. I, I, that, I love I loved everyone. I dealt with the 590. Everyone there was fantastic. Jim Hayes is one of like the nicest people in the world. I've, Love, love the cat I and mean, like, love plowsy like everybody i saw there every morning was awesome fantastic that's awesome to hear um so you follow baseball you followed hockey yeah what is your favorite sport to follow uh it's been it's always been hockey i've always been like a hockey person i started playing hockey when i was eight years old uh and i i you know i've thought about this before because i'm trying to figure out like what got me into hockey and i, I think the answer is honestly the mighty ducks like i'm pretty sure 
that the Mighty Ducks is the is the reason that I got into hockey and started wanting to play. Uh, that and like I had a Genesis and I had an NHL ninety four and NHL ninety four was awesome and that made me want to play more hockey. Look, NHL ninety four easily one of actually the best hockey game ever. Oh yeah, and it's it's one of the best sports games of all time. Best sports games of all time. Craig I, Craig is itching to talk about NHL. Okay, Craig, well, come on, no, him. no, no, you you're itching to I talk can about. I can feel it, so Craig to my right, like yes. First off. Blades of Steel is the greatest hockey game of all time. I'm a little too young, but but NHL '96 was. Oh no, the I'm, jam. I'm I'm a Blades of Steel guy. And NHL '93 was awesome because you could break the glass and still fight. And, and then you could also you could also game. crack Wayne Gretzky over the noggin and make him bleed. Ooh, so '96 yeah. was cool because '96 had like the player creation and the player movement, and it was just the game engine was just different enough from '95 that I liked the gameplay a little better. Like the gameplay was a little bit different and a little closer to '94. With ninety six, it's been a lot of Genesis hours in those games. Yeah, I um, I just recently started playing NHL NHL uh, eighteen and the new mode new mode they have on there now, which is really cool. It's called NHL threes. Yeah, it's literally a three on three game, and which is how hockey should be. Yeah, uh, well, that would be totally, <laughs> that'd be totally chaotic. I'd, I'd see a lot of nine eight hockey games unless you're Patrick Waugh. I will say, I will say a really cool game that never got its due was a game called Eastside Hockey Manager, which was a PC game uh, that was text-based, and you would, I mean, essentially you acted as like a GM and you would create your team and then simulate game through game and season through season or whatever. I had a game of EHM when I was probably like 18, 19, 20 years old that I played through 20 Blues seasons uh, on that game. And all I, like the thing I remember the most is that Colin Wilson, I traded for Colin Wilson from the Predators for like a draft pick, like a season into the game, and he won like nine consecutive heart trophies. Like I hadn't tweaked the game at all, but Colin Wilson was the MVP. Like he's the best player in the league. That's a little uh, suspicious. It was there. weird. <laughs> but it was a fun game but because I had Colin Wilson on my team and he was the best player in the NHL. I had a text-based Monday night football game. Yeah? And Art Chell made the tackle on, on the first play of, of, <laughs> of every... Uh, because you, you, you had to play the Redskins. It was the Redskins and somebody else on Monday night. Yeah. So that, that's, that's my, my text-based game story because, you know, I'm old. So since we're talking about games real quick, yeah. I got to bring a one franchise in there. Okay. Oh, I just got a comment here. Hamilton Hamilton running point looking good. That's Thank true. you, Matthew Ehrenreich. And uh, no, but you've played Madden, right? I have. Like, what is your favorite Madden game today? To date, like, it's so r- here's the thing. I don't, I don't really know. Like, they all run together for me, with the exception of, and I don't know that it's my favorite, but I guess I'll say that it is because it is the one that I know about the best. O four because O four had like Superman, Michael Vick. Uh, is the one that is the most noticeable, right? But is that the most fun? Because it just like if you were the Falcons, you just won. Yeah. Also, one of the best football games to date is probably um, NFL ESPN Two K Five. I never played that. Two K Four with. Um, I think I don't know how many games Two K did with the NFL series. If someone can help me with that, that'd be great. Okay. Someone on Facebook Live. Someone, whatever. But um, what do you, what do you want to know? Uh, how many games did ESP the Two K series? How many NFL games in Two K series? I'll be right back with that. Thanks, uh, Andy. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate it, man. Oh, it's what a good producer does. Yeah, and I got I got to thank my great producer. Thank you, Andy. Oh, you're very welcome, sir. Anytime. He's the best. Um. So hardly. So getting on that, did you have um, 
did you like play games like the show or yeah yeah oh for sure and i i still like i'm still of the show I, the reason in fact that i have a ps4 and not an xbox is for the show only for the show yeah I that's mean, the that's that's the only because i don't like i don't play a lot of first person shooter games i don't play a lot of adventure games the only game that i know for sure that i've ever 100 percented was lego the force awakens so I, like i play a lot of sports games and like gta and batman or like so like nothing really crazy out of the mainstream uh so when it came time to buy a next gen system i was like well ps4 has baseball Xbox does not have baseball. I guess I'm buying a PS4. Yeah, Xbox used to have baseball, I think, with uh, the 2K series. Yes, it did. Uh, there was NFL 2K, 2K1, 2K2, 2K3, ESPN NFL football, and then uh, NFL 2K5. So there were uh, there were six games. Okay. And then there was a spinoff, All-Pro Football 2K8. Yeah, that um, I never really played that game. So, um. so well, so I know for a fact that Xbox used to have baseball uh, because it started with the triple play series and then it became MVP baseball. And probably the baseball game I've played the most, like in total hours, was MVP baseball 05. With, when, yeah, when they had pool holes on the front uh, for the original Xbox. I played that one a crap load. And the, uh, so when the Cardinals won the World Series in 2006, that fall, uh, my roommates and I would do two things every day. We would go, because at the time, McDonald's had dollar Big Macs on days when the Cardinals played. And so we would go for lunch and for dinner and get a, two Big Macs every day for lunch and for dinner. So over the, and by the way, if you do the math, it's horrifying. I ate 64 Big Macs in a month. Not great. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. I, I ate four a day every day the Cardinals played a playoff game in the 2006 playoffs. That's probably responsible for my girlish figure. We would do that. <laughs> And then we would wait for the lineups to get announced. Now, this is before Twitter, and so I would have to wait for usually Joe Strauss. Sometimes it was cool to post like a blog from the ballpark that would have the lineups posted. This was like three in the afternoon. Usually they would come out, and we would then play that game through on MVP, but like on rookie mode. So we'd go beat the Mets like 65 to 1, like in the <laughs> afternoon, just to sort of like get the team warmed up. Was this while you were eating a Big Mac? Yeah. Or? Oh, yeah. No, Big Macs for lunch. <laughs> come back from lunch. Go check out the lineups. Put the lineups together. Play the game. Go back to McDonald's. Have Big Macs for dinner. Somewhere in there, I was ostensibly in college. But it's not a great semester. I will um, I will go back to hockey here in a little bit. Go I just want to ask you about uh, the Cardinals real quick. Yeah. And do you think the Cardinals, I mean, they just traded Randall Gritchick. Yes. And what did you think of that trade? That's, um, a, great, that's a great deal for the Cardinals because... The thing is, the difference between Gritchick and Bader, for example, is smaller to me than the difference between Dominic Leone and like John Cant, who would otherwise have been in the bullpen. Uh, they were definitely short that end of game option because if, if you listen to them talk at winter warm up last weekend, Mosellock made it clear that Gregerson is the closer. And it sounded a lot like that when Alex Reyes is ready on May 1st or thereabouts, that he was going to get every shot to close. The question is, when and if a starter breaks down, like because they're not they're not getting 35 starts out of all five of the guys they have in the rotation right now. So when and if one of those guys breaks down, who is the sixth starter? And I, I mean, it should be Reyes, right? Like Reyes should be the guy who gets an opportunity to be in the rotation. And so if he's in the back end of the bullpen, it was going to be uh, Jordan Hicks or Helsley or whoever the hell they could find. So now Dominic Leone offers an opportunity to be a guy who can pitch that ninth if Gregerson doesn't work out. Look, I mean, in my opinion, I don't think Gregerson's a closer. Oh, I agree. And 
And when I heard Mosellox say that, it kind of infuriated me. Because, in a sense, we've missed the playoffs the last two years. The Cardinals aren't all in on rebuilding. They want to win. So why would you have Gregerson close games out for you? The guy- I'm going to hold DeWallet accountable. So DeWallet. Here, so here's the thing with 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 DeWallet that is that is curious to me. And Mike, I'm kidding. No, by no, the no. Way. I get it. But no. But but so Michael Gaines made this point on St. Louis Live this week, and I hadn't thought about it this way because we we did this thing where we played through the audio of the Dewitt press conference, and every time he said a thing, where we just we were just like up oh, stop, and we would just stop at that moment and talk about whatever we just heard. Gaines made the point, and I think it's just really smart that. The Cardinals' business model right now doesn't require them to win because the most important thing they're building right now is not a team. It's a, it's a real estate project, right? Like, Bill the III wants to build Ballpark Village. And, yeah, like, in the best possible world, that's totally segregated from the baseball operation and the two don't really intersect with each other. But I think that the reality of the Cardinals right now is that, I mean – for the long-term profitability of the team, they're so focused on that next phase of, of, of Ballpark Village and what that looks like that I honestly think there's a level of contentment with winning 80, 85 games if they still maintain public support for the real estate project. Look, and, and that's kind of bogus because you have a, and this is my opinion, Yeah, no, no. you have a billion-dollar TV deal and you haven't been to the playoffs in two years, and you have dwindling attendance the last two years. Sure. I, I don't understand why you just – I'm not saying go out to spend like the Yankees. Don't go out and get a guy like Stanton. I'm glad they didn't get Stanton. But they did, in theory, at least offer up the money, right? And, like, and they had the best package, and this is what we heard. Yeah. So, But I will – so here's the thing, though. When you talk about a billion-dollar TV deal that assumes that the Cardinals do business like, okay, we have this revenue stream this year – so we can only spend this much billion dollar TV deal. Now we can spend this much more. What I think is more accurate is that the Cardinals in forecasting that incoming money uh, instead probably deficit spent a little and probably spent a little outside of what they would have optimally, optimally liked to budget wise both in terms of payroll and in terms of construction and amenities and all that kind of nonsense. Uh, I, I think that they probably overspent. And so some of that billion dollars is probably already spent, right? Like, so when they sit, when they sit down and they do the financing for building a 30 story residential tower and a gym and whatever the hell else they're building over there, they've already spent that billion dollars or a part of it. And that like the part of it is, is, is budgeted for that construction process. So it's not just as simple as, okay, cool. This is going to be the payroll now, because I think that, I mean, I think that they're already like, cool, this is going to build 400 apartments now. Yeah. I mean, the Cardinals this off season and a lot of people, including MLB network. And this is interesting to me said that the Cardinals are a 90 win team. And 92-win team, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, and I'm the biggest Cardinal fan probably anybody will ever meet. And I still don't think this team's a 90-win team. I, I agree in, an, in the vacuum, but the thing that happened this, this offseason is that the Pirates got way worse. The Reds are bad. Uh, in, like, the Cubs have not really made substantial improvements over where they were last season. Like, you replace Arietta with Tyler Chatwood, and you replace Wade Davis with uh, whoever the hell they signed at the back end of the bullpen that I can't think of right now. They signed they signed a relief pitcher, but so the point is like the Cubs have the Cubs have drifted back. The Reds are terrible. The Pirates are terrible. The Brewers are what they are. It's not that the Cardinals have improved; it's that the rest of the division has lagged enough that can they win six more games or whatever? Yeah, I mean maybe. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I could see it, but a lot of things, Jeff, have to go right. Oh, for sure. In order for that to happen. And... Yeah, and so the thing, the thing that they have, like, you have to assume that Fam has close to the year he had last year, that Ozuna has close to the year he had last year, that Wong stays consistent, that that Molina doesn't hit the wall this year. Like, there are a lot of ifs. That DeYoung hits 20, 20 yeah, more home DeYoung is a year. great example, yes, that DeYoung can, can play up to the level he was at last year. All of that has to happen, and Miles Michaelis has to start 30 games and be somebody that you can count on, and they have to have a closer. Right? So if all the pieces fall down in the right order, I get it, I see it. But if they don't, then they definitely don't. All right, so I just figured out I'm on a time limit here. Gotcha. So um, I want to get into two more topics really quick. Go for it. I saw um, that you wrote a column for St. Louis Game Time. Yeah. And do you think Jake Allen's a guy? Do you think Jake Allen is the number one goaltender? Because I'm starting to really think that if they keep playing Carter Hutton, that they can't, they're not, you know what I'm trying to say yeah, here. Yeah, so here's what, I'll, here's what I'll say. As we sit here today, I don't think Jake Allen is the starting goaltender. Like the question of whether or not uh, he should be is a question, I guess. But I, I think that it's clear now that Carter Hutton is the starter for right now. Jake Allen has played twice since the first of the year. In one of those games, they allowed six goals. In one of those games, they allowed seven. Uh, and Tom Timmerman had this this afternoon, had done the math, and I think if if Allen plays at the next available opportunity, so Tuesday, he will have gone two weeks between starts, and he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have played in the Blues' last three games. He, at no point last year, went as many as two weeks between starts, and at no point last year missed more than two games in a row. And and, and so, like, they're clearly scaling him back. Do I think that in the long term, Jake Allen is a starting goaltender? I honestly, I honestly don't know. Like, I, you see him perform at a really high level sometimes, but the consistency is not there. And what separates, like, starters from part-time guys in the NHL is consistency because if you can play in the league then you have the ability to play at that level it's sustaining the level that's the question and he's been a head case uh, I, I, that's, that's yeah it's, it's so weird to like to, to see him go into these I mean it's two years in a row now where we reach January the middle of January and he's just he's just not there like he's just not he's not there for the team and I don't I don't know what to do about that. I don't know what the cause of that is. I'm not good enough at evaluating goaltenders to be able to look at him uh, and be like, okay, here is the problem, you know, with his technique or whatever. Like, you can see there are some things with Jake that you can see happening when he's playing badly. When he gets beat, like, waist high to the glove side, that angle is off. And and, and, and when there are guys sort of – when, when he's not controlling the puck well and not, and not shutting down the short side and sort of drifting, leaning off the post – then the positioning is off. I can see the, like I can describe those things as they happen, but right, I can't right. watch him and then prescribe that they are about to happen. Okay. So the NHL, what is the biggest surprise in the NHL to you? Because mine real quick has to be the Vegas golden. Knights. Yeah. It's a hundred percent Vegas. I mean, like it's, it's, you know, the, the thing with Vegas, that's sort of interesting. And I heard Doug Armstrong make this point is that they have sort of every team's like eighth best forward. Right, they got they got all of those from every team, and so you look at Vegas, and they don't have a Tarasenko, but they also don't have like a Magnus Payarvi or a Chris Thorburn. They have a deep lineup of consistent like contributing players, and there's this degree of like guys who feel like they got left out or passed over, and you know I'll show you or whatever. Like that that human motivation aspect is real for some people. 
I just want to acknowledge that the first time that Jeff Jones is on the show, we can talk about Chris Thorburn. Okay, that's all <laughs> I want to acknowledge, Joe. Why well, are, are so are people what not, is, are not people not happy with Thorburn? Well, here's the thing. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. Before we have to get out, you know, get out. Okay. Of here. Um, what is Chris Thorburn good for? I mean, the he's guy got really good hair. He's got really good hair. He's they got call the best the, flow on the team, Joe. They, they call him Jesus on skates. Oh, and I've also heard if you watch wrestling, which I think yeah, you do, I've, uh, Seth Rollins on okay. skates. I no. uh, <laughs> so I've heard I've heard him refer to himself as Noseburn. So that's fair. I mean, if he's, <laughs> he's going to acknowledge it, then we can acknowledge it. Look, I, when they made the Reeves trade, obviously the benefit there is getting Costin and. I was I was I was at the draft this summer and I was I was not there covering it I was there like drinking beers and hanging out with friends but security is very bad at the draft uh, so I just walked down to the floor when it was over and walked up to Doug Armstrong I was like hey Doug can we talk and, yeah sure uh, so I I was officially the first person to interview Doug Armstrong after the first round of the draft and uh, and talked to him about like what that Reeves trade meant for the fourth line. And at the time, like that afternoon, what he said was that they were looking forward to opening up opportunities for guys like Zach Sanford or like Barbashev or like Payarvi, guys that they wanted to see play with us with speed on that fourth line. Now, obviously injuries happen and whatever. Uh, but then when they go out and they sign Thorburn the first day of free agency, it's like, okay, so we're not doing that anymore. So Barbashev on the first line. Now I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but it's not, ex- it, it's not like this line, Exactly sucked. I mean, no, it, and right. The thing, the thing with Barbashev is that see, he's definitely has been streaky uh, through the last two years in his career. The other thing with him is that he's certainly played better when he's been on a line with more talented players. So he's played well with Tarasenko, and he he played really well in camp. He was on a line uh, with Costin, and they had like a, they, there was a scrimmage one morning when uh, when uh, honestly there was a scrimmage one morning when Ivan Barbashev and Clem Costin pretty much like ended Bo Bennett's career as a blue before it started because that line was matched up with the line that I think it was like Bennett, Sunquist, and Payarvi or something, and they I mean they just rolled them. They made them look terrible for the entirety of the scrimmage, and. He's coming into he's coming into his own now. Uh, didn't record a point the other night. Prior to that, had been on a three game point streak, and in in those three games, had recorded all five of the points he has this season. I think he's a talented player. I, I don't really know. I don't know how you get him to be at the level he needs to be at all year long. So I mean, this has been a good show. I mean, I, I agree. I'm, I'm kind of glad that I got you on because. Man, I've been wanting to talk a little bit more hockey than usual. and Well, I'm glad you wanted to talk hockey, and I am very flattered that I got to get interviewed today. Yeah, and I, thank you so much for of being course. on. I, I appreciate it. And maybe maybe I can, maybe, if you have time, maybe I can have you on around the playoffs. I'm happy to. Hockey, whatever. I'm happy to come on. Look, any chance I get to drive to Glen Carbon uh, is a chance that I, have to, that I have to take. Joe, I'm sorry. It I was made, a lovely drive here. I made Joe late. Um, yeah, so we weren't going to tell anyone. We were going to let it go. <laughs> yeah, we were going to let it we go. We were going to smooth that one over. You know what? I'm not, I'm all right with that as long as I got the interview done. Radical and, honesty program. And, and I like Jeff, so well, I, I like I, you too, I, Joe. <laughs> I did. I did say I know that you have you have your whole thing planned out here. Would you change the name to Tatanka Cast? Um, I don't know if I Tonka would. Cast is good. That's good. I mean, people might think they're listening look, to toy trucks. I already did the first show with Hamilton Sportacobra. All right, if I, if I, tra- if I yeah, go going back, once you're in there as one, you you, you got you got to stick with it. Yeah, 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 you got a brand. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we got to keep branding. I already have a Facebook page and everything. I'm not. Oh wow, look at you. All right. So and yeah. don't make fun of the Glen of the beautiful. I wasn't making Glenn fun Carbon of the beautiful Glen Carbon. <laughs> no, no, the beautiful Glen Carbon Studios. Uh, yes, I was not making fun of the beautiful Glen Carbon Studios. I was. And it's not 
not that far. It's no, it's not that. I, I grew up in Belleville. Like, I'm not afraid of Illinois. No, that's good. Craig is. Well, I am. I'm, I'm so ter- glad. I'm terrified right now, actually. I'm so glad to be back in studio. Thank you for having me, Andy. And, you know, I appreciate it. Joey Hams, you're welcome. You're welcome anytime, sir. All right. Well, guys, you've been listening to Hamilton Sportacopia and. I have to tell you guys, this has been the most fun show I've had to date. Well, thanks, so, Joe. That is a slight so, cucky in myself if I've ever. Right, so here's how you wrap it. You say this has been episode. What is this? Episode three. Episode three, three of is, the Hamilton Sport. So just say it after me. You've been listening to the Hamilton Sportacopia. You've been listening to the Hamilton Sportacopia. I'm Joey Hamilton. I'm Joey Hamilton. On the St. Louis Podcast the, Network. On the St. Louis Podcast Network.